John chapter 9. Praise God. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, the Word declares that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're a God who is well able to meet the needs of your people. You're a God that has all power, all knowledge. You're a God who can heal in an instant of time. You have promises in this word, and every word, every promise is yea and amen in Jesus Christ. And so, Father... As we have broke the word of life tonight, as we have read the word, help us, Lord, that we might glean from this word that which would increase our faith, that which would prick our hearts, that which would stir us up spiritually. Father, we're here to hear from you. And God, we want to hear from you tonight. And we want to know that it's a clear word from our Heavenly Father. So open our ears and our hearts and our minds. And God, minister to us now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We used to have a saying when I was in the military, blessed are they that go in circles, for they shall be called big wheels. Sometimes I see Christians going around in circles. We're kind of like the uh, Israelites in the desert. They went around and around in circles for 40 years. I don't want to go around in circles. I want, to, I want to be able to move with God. I want to be able to have God utilize me, don't you? I'm tired of going in circles, aren't you? Amen. Someone said, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. I think that we should have a definite aim, a definite goal 
in our lives. And uh, I was really pleased with Eric's message this morning. He has a goal. He has a goal, and his goal is to be the father of his children. I can't think of a higher goal than that, than to be the father of his children and be the example that they need him to be. To be a man of God. To be utilized by the Holy Spirit. To be like Jesus. Hallelujah. What a goal. But sometimes I think that a lot of us just take up space. He said uh, television wasn't for entertainment, or it was a waste of time and entertainment. It wasn't what I can do for the world, it's what can the world do for me. You know, I just want to be entertained. I want more than just to be entertained in this life, don't you? I think God's got something for us to do. I believe you've got to have a definite plan. God has better ideas for us than just taking up uh, space in a church or uh, sitting on a pew. God has a work for us to do. And the thing that I noticed here about Jesus was that Jesus knew his purpose in life. What a, what a wonderful blessing that is to know your purpose in life. Not only did he know his purpose in life, but he had the power. God the Father provided the power for him through the Holy Spirit. We have that same power. We got the same spirit, right? He was under a lot of pressure, just as you and I are under pressure. But he overcame the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he had a plan, and that plan is working. Amen. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night is coming, or cometh, when no man can work. I believe if we live in the midnight hour, things are drawing to a close. Like Jesus, it's important that we know and we have a purpose in life. I must work the works. He didn't expect the Father to work them for him. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. At 12 years old, he knew exactly why he had come. There's some of us that are middle-aged that are still wandering around wondering what, what on earth is our purpose in life. But I assure you that Jesus has a purpose for your life. He has had his hand on you 
since you were born or before you were born. He has a purpose for each of you. It wasn't an accident that you have come to salvation. I know most of you in here, and I, I just know that uh, you have a knowledge of who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit's working in your life. He has brought you to this point for a purpose. He's got a purpose for Billy tonight. He's got a purpose for David. And their purpose can't be fulfilled unless they themselves know what their purpose is. And it's time that we learned what our purposes are in life. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. And he was sent from God. And this was not just some afterthought that took place after the first plan went astray. When man sinned in the Garden of Eden and things went wrong, he didn't come up with a secondary plan and say, well, I guess I'll have to send you down to straighten it out. The fact of the matter is there was a sacrifice before there was a sin. He was slain from the foundation of the earth. It was only made manifest when Jesus got to Calvary. God's got a plan and it's working out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was to come as a love offering. He was to come and restore, and to buy back, and to conform, and to be the uh, model for you and I. Let me give you four reasons that I kind of run across, I thought of as I was writing these things down. Four reasons why he came. Number one, he came to demonstrate God's love. That was one purpose for him coming. It says over in Hebrews that God had tried in sundriest ways to make himself known. But in these last days, God has spoken through his Son. He who has seen the Son has seen the Father. He came to demonstrate God's love. Secondly, he came to die for man's sin. There was just no other way. If there would have been another way, I think God the Father would have found it. It's the only way. There had to be a sacrifice. And God sent his son to be that propitiation for our sins. Thirdly, he came to deliver God's people. We're God's people. And just as Moses went into Egypt and 
and proclaimed, set my people free. Set, God says, set my people free. Jesus came to set the people free. He was not only the, the, the lamb, he was also the deliverer. And then he came to destroy all the works of the devil. Hallelujah. He has destroyed the work of the devil. He has the keys of hell and of death. He is victorious. Hallelujah. And at 12 years old, he knew why he'd been sent. We find him here, he's now six months or so away from the cross. He was 30 years old when he began to preach, so that makes him uh, about 33 years old, right? And he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. He still hasn't lost that zeal. I've got to work the works of my Father. How many of us, after a short while, we lose our zeal? But he never lost his zeal. He never lost his purpose. He knew why he had come, and he knew what he had to do. John 20 and 21, and I want you to pay particular attention to this, so I'm going to ask you to turn to it. I'll, I'll wait on you. John 20. And verse 21. John 20, verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. And I want you to pay particular attention to the rest of the sentence. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Just as surely as God the Son had a purpose in life, you have got a purpose in life. God has sent you. You can write your own name in there if you want to. You have been sent by God. And God has given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you the Word. He's given you power. He's given you a great commission. And if we don't do it, it's how's it ever going to get done? And time is running out. There is an urgency. As I said, Jesus knew what his purpose was, but he also knew where his power came from. He said, I do those things that I see the Father doing. <laughs> I do always those things that please my Father. This man had been blind for since his birth. And this was a Sabbath day. And the Pharisees were going to ridicule him for it. 
He was going to come under much scrutiny. He, it was going to cause his final downfall. It was going to send him to the cross. But he said, I must work the works of him that sent me. I can't be deterred from this. I can't turn aside from it. I've got to do this thing. I don't care whether it's the Sabbath or not. I've got to do it. How different we are. We find so many excuses why we can't do something. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too wet. It's too dry. I don't have time. That's the big one. I don't have time. You know, it's a funny thing, but all of us have exactly the same amount of time. That's the truth. It's just a matter of what we're going to do with it. It's a matter of priority, really. I do the things that I feel are important. I do the things I want to do. We have to understand everything before we can do things. Look at what they said here. Who sinned? This, this man or his parents? Brother, if we don't have our theology straight, we can't do anything. I mean, this is so important. Who sinned? Who cares who sinned? Here is a person that's in need, and Jesus saw it as an opportunity. Don't look at the person and, and try to figure out why they're sinning. What, what does it matter? If there's a person in need, let's reach out a hand to them. We've got to work the works of him that sent us while it's yet day. So maybe it don't line up with our theology. Maybe we can't understand it all. But we can be his hands extended. Reaching out to the oppressed. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at what he said here. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And that's what he said over in John 4, verse 34. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Here he said, I've got to do the works of him that sent me. I, I've got to do it while it's yet day. I've got to do it while I've got an opportunity. It was so important to him that it was more important than eating. If it, if it was a matter of priority, whether I'm going to eat or whether I'm going to do the works of God, I'll do the works of God. Somehow, I just don't see us having those same kind of desires that I'm so desirous of doing the will of God that I'm willing to give up my meals times to go do it. Most Christians, boy, they don't miss their meal times for anything. Amen? Look here, you can tell I'm a full gospel preacher. 
I don't miss too many meals. But he was willing to miss his meals. He said, I've already eaten. I, I've, I've, I'm full. I, I've had everything I need. Everything that satisfies. Do you feel that kind of satisfaction about doing the will of God? If you feel that kind of satisfaction about doing the will of God, how come we don't do it more often? Amen? If it feeds my soul as much as I say it does, why don't I do it more often? Maybe if we had that kind of a desire, we'd get our priorities straight. You know, I find that there's a lot of things that take priority ahead of the things that I should have as priorities. How many a young person says, I'd like to go and witness tonight, but you know my favorite shows on television. Boy, there's a priority for you, right? Or... I'd like to go and witness tonight, but, uh, boy, I've just worked so hard all day. I'm tired. Suppose Jesus would have said that. Where would we be? I, I'm, I'm serious. Do we really have the right priorities in life? I think we would have more people being saved if we did. I wish I had the answer here. Because Jesus, he just wanted to do the will of his Father so badly. And I just don't see the church motivated the way it should be. I'm not talking about you people as just this church. I'm talking about the church, period. Universal. I don't see the motivation there. There's countless thousands and thousands and thousands that are going to hell on a daily basis. And we're too busy. We've got to take time out for entertainment. And I want to tell you, when when I, when I start going preaching like that, there's three of them that are pointing to me. I'm not condemning you people. I'm, con I'm, I'm trying to ask you as a church, what's the matter with us? Why don't we get down to business? Why don't we get out and witness? What is wrong? Jesus knew what was right, and he did it. You say, well, I'm under too much pressure. Boy, Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through. If you had my problems, if you had to live in my household, if you had my bank account, you'd know the pressures I was under. No one was under more pressure than Jesus Christ. But he never lost his purpose in life. My mother used to say, tomorrow never comes. 
The only thing that we can count on is here and now. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in that. She probably got it from the Bible somewhere. She probably got it from some, her mother or her father. I don't know. But my mother passed on some wisdom to me. Jesus says, let the troubles of the day be sufficient. Let tomorrow worry about itself, right? We're so busy worrying about tomorrow that we don't take time to be today. We're so busy building for the future that we haven't got time to do anything for Jesus now. I think that is a plague upon the United States. We're too busy. We're busy people. We got everything in the world going on. We, I'm, I'm number one with the appointment book. I got appointments for appointments. Proverbs 18 and 9 says, He also that is slothful in his work is a brother to a great waster. God has given us a work to do. And to be slothful in it and not get it done, not see the priority in doing it, we're wasting time. We're wasting time. How much of what we do is really progressive, really essential to the kingdom of God? you ever stop and ask yourself questions like that? How much of what I'm doing is really essential to the kingdom of God? We can't afford to waste time. Whatever we're going to do, we're going to have to do it quickly. I believe that the ends of the world is coming. You know, funny part of it, some of you saints has heard that since the first time you got saved and it's been going on for years and your children's been hearing that but you know this says in the last days that there's going to be many scoffers saying you know where's the promise of his coming everything remains the same just because it remains the same doesn't mean he isn't coming he is coming and he's coming soon everything is pointing toward it if we're going to get anything done, let's do it now. Let's not wait until next year, next, next month, next summer, next winter, next fall, whatever. Let's do it now. Let's do what we can for God today. Let's take it one day at a time. Let, let's do what I can for God today. Praise the Lord. Jesus knew his time on earth was really short about the time that he wrote this. As I said, he was about six months from Calvary. And I got to thinking, my neighbor died the other day. He contacted cancer, or he found out he had cancer in April. 
and he died the other day. Not much time. What would you do if all of a sudden you knew that you only had six months left to live? Would your priorities still be the same? See, Jesus knew that he was, in six months it was all over. Everything that God had given him to do had to be done within six months. In fact, his whole ministry, uh, which was uh, considerable, had to be done within a three and a half year time period. He couldn't be wasting time. He said, we got to go on to the next town and the next town and the next town. He said, there's still people that's got to hear. There's people that's got to be delivered. I've got to go to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm in a hurry. Do we feel that kind of an urgency? If you only had six months to live, I think you'd begin to feel a little urgency to get some things done and get some things straightened out, and you'd, you'd have some different priorities in life. But we live like we've got forever. Well, I'm going to tell you, if Jesus doesn't come, there's going to be some that, that you, it's going to be all over with soon anyway. Eric was saying, uh, what was it this morning? There's 20,000 days, was it? 20,000 days. Brother Saunders. I'm running out of days. Right, George? We've got to get something going here. If we're going to do anything for God, let's do it now. Hallelujah. Well, you know, Jesus had a plan. Look at John 14, 12 with me. 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. Also, the works that I do, Terry's going to do. Also, that means that he's got to work. And he's going to do the same things that I'm doing if I said that about him, right? Jesus said the same works, not a different works. But the same works. And he went out, he made a little spittle, and he took some clay and he rubs it in the guy's face and says, go over to the pool of Siloam and wash your face and you're going to be healed. How many of you would dare to do that? You know why he dared to do that? Because he heard from God the Father. He said, I do always those things that please my Father. If God the Father, I was sure He told me to go over and rub some spit in somebody's eyes and they were going to be healed, I'd do it. So I guess it's probably a lack of communications or something. 
But he had a plan. His plan was that he was going to employ a few people. He didn't spend time with the multitudes. He spent time with a, few, with a handful of people. He employed a few people. He employed, he deployed, and he destroyed. That was his plan. That's the whole thing. Employ, deploy, and destroy. You've seen these recruiting signs? The Marines need a few good men. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus needs a few good men and women. It, it only took 12 people to turn the world upside down. We've got more than 12 here tonight. We can turn Seneca Falls upside down. Jesus said that we could do the works that he did. Are you with me? Let's turn the town upside down. You want to? Let's give them something to talk about. Oh, I can see you don't believe me. I, I can tell by looking at you. Most of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm serious. Let's turn this town right upside down. If we show the kind of dedication that those disciples showed, and we get out there and we do the things that Jesus tells us to do, this town's going to begin to talk. They're going to say, what a bunch of fanatics they got over there on the corner of Fall Street and Clinton. Amen? But I believe that that was his plan. That he was going to continue to do the same work, only he was just going to change bodies. Instead of living in the one he was living in, he was going to live in a whole bunch of people. Amen? And I believe Jesus is alive in me. If he's alive in me, then the works that he did before he can do now, can he? You know, I, I found the strange thing about preaching. Say something and you get a chance to try it. I want everyone who agrees with me to raise their hand. Oh, 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 you're going to get a chance to try it. And the rest of you, too bad for you because we're going to get a hold of you eventually anyway. Because we're going to turn this town upside down because Jesus set, has sent me to this town. And we're going to turn it upside down. That means... We're actually going to turn it right side up. Everything's topsy-turvy right now. We're going to do it, turn it the right way around. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. He took a few people and he trained them. And then he sent them out. Why won't that work today? Why can't that work for us? It works for the Jehovah Witnesses. Doesn't it? Trains a few people. They, they, I don't know whether they train them or not. They, uh, a parrot could do the, what they do. But <laughs> he, he trained them. He sent them out. He gave them the power. They come back and they say, Woo! 
We've got power even over the demons. What did he say to them? Rejoice not that you've got power over the demons, but your name is what? Does that mean if I don't go out and do what he tells me to do and and I, I, I don't have power over the demons and so forth that I'll let you draw your own conclusions. But I think we need to go out. I think we need to get out of this building. I think we need to go out and we need to witness to some people. Not only with our lives, I got an idea. Let's find someone that's in need and let's go help them. Let's find someone who's uh, maybe needs their lawn mowed and we'll go mow it. Huh? Someone who uh, doesn't have transportation, we'll give them a ride. We can do these things, can't we? Jesus went wherever there was a need. There was a need here. He didn't care whether, uh, whose fault it was that the need was there. It was an opportunity for Father to be glorified. Let's just glorify God. Amen? Well, I don't think Jesus has changed his plan one bit. He's still working through about 10% of the people 100% of the time. The multitudes, it's a narrow way and it's just too broad or too narrow for, for most of us to walk in that direction. The multitudes on the broad way. Well, I believe Jesus has called us tonight. I believe that's what, what the whole sermon's about. Let me ask you, how many would really like to be a part of seeing something so fantastic happen in this town? Oh, hallelujah. I want to see Jesus get glorified. Hallelujah. And I believe that's what the message is tonight. If you'll just go in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it. You aren't anything special. I'm the special one. You just go in my name and allow me to work through you. Put aside your excuses for a while. Try it for 30 days. You'll like it. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.